Good morning, everybody. And also, good morning to all those in the sanctuary and the overflow hall. I should also say Happy New Year. This is my first opportunity to wish you all Happy New Year. We are only uh, two weeks into 2018. Already I feel I'm quite overworked. I'm ready for another holiday. But before that, there's something uh, more exciting in store for all of us. This week, we begin our series based on the Methodist program, A Disciple's Path. And Pastor Melvin introduced it last week. You can still pick up the, the workbooks. Over the next six weeks, we're going to look at God's love and grace from a Wesleyan perspective. And we'll look at how we as Methodists can grow in love and grace as disciples. You see, we Methodists are all supposed to be disciples of Jesus. You are Methodists not because you come to a Methodist church. You're only counted as a Methodist if you have completed a membership class and have taken membership vows. Of course, everybody is welcome in church. But the Methodists are those who have taken additional steps in being disciples. Now, this past week, I spent most of the week looking for a particular movie clip. Years ago, I remember watching a movie which had a line that has since stuck in my head. Unfortunately, the title of the movie hasn't. I thought it was the movie uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. You may remember it from 17 years ago. And I thought I remembered a scene in that movie where the hero, the hero uh, Limu Bai, uh, faced the evil villain Jade Fox. And I thought I remembered Limu Bai saying to her just before he fought her, now you face a fully trained Utang disciple. Utang being a, a famous martial arts faction. But I searched the movie, I couldn't find the scene. I tried to search other movies, but nothing. So if any of you remember, or you can find a scene in any movie, I would be most grateful to you. The hero facing the enemy with great confidence saying, now you face a fully trained disciple. See, because a fully trained disciple would know how to overcome the enemy. So you would expect that a fully trained Utang disciple would know all the fundamental skills of the Utang clan, all the armed and unarmed combat fighting skills. Utang disciple would be able, for example, to use a sword, be able to punch with fists, kick with licks. Utang disciple might even be able to mix medicine to heal and to use internal energy. How does a trained disciple of Jesus look like? Many of you have been here for years. What skills do you have as a disciple? Are you able to lead worship? Can you lead in public prayer? Can you name the books in the Bible? Have you memorized any Bible verses? Can you lead someone to Jesus? Do you know the responses for the Holy Communion Liturgy by heart? Can you recite the Apostles' Creed from memory? Can you stay awake during sermons? That is a very high-level skill. I haven't mastered it myself. 
Well, today's passage tells us what a disciple of Jesus looks like. And it is less complicated than what you would expect. The reading for today is 1 John chapter 2, verses 1-14. to 14. The writer of this letter, and two other letters, is the Apostle John, who also wrote the Gospel account. And this letter, 1 John, is a late work. At the time of writing this letter, John was the last surviving apostle. So he doesn't bother to identify himself, except to call himself the elder. In all three of his letters, he never mentions his name. Right? He expected the Christians to whom he was writing to, uh, to know who he was. And this is what he writes in the first letter, 1 John chapter 2, the first 14 verses. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Okay, next slide. Yes, he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And next slide. And by this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this, we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I am writing to you, because it is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away, and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I am writing to you little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, Young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. This is the word of God. Come, let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. As we look to it now, we pray you speak to all our hearts. Turn our hearts and minds toward you, and give us understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a long passage. John is actually mulling things over 
and a long meditation about discipleship. What does a disciple of Jesus look like? And John begins by saying, he's writing to the disciples so that they, or we, may not sin. But he accepts that we will still sin from time to time. We still make mistakes. We lose control sometimes. We are not perfect. Sometimes we give in to temptation. Oscar Wilde once said, I can resist all things except temptation. I feel like that sometimes too. But John says that even if we sin, Jesus is with us. He has helped us regain favor with God the Father Almighty. The Son has propitiated God the Father. He has made peace with the Father. And then John says there are three things that disciples do. Firstly, disciples keep God's commandments. Disciples keep God's commandments. You see here in verse 3, And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. The theme of this whole passage is God's commandments. Now some Christians uh, have been teaching that we are forgiven. And since Jesus has come to give us all grace, we are now freed from the law. The law in the Old Testament, the law of Moses, the moral law, they no longer apply. We are free to do what we want in grace. This is just being silly. The law in the Old Testament is God's law. And do these Christians who believe that the law no longer applies, do they keep the law of this land? Do they obey traffic regulations, for example? Do they make sure they are on the right side of the penal code? Of course they do. So how can you say that it's okay to forget about God's law, but stick to man's law? Isn't God's law just as important or more important? So of course the Old Testament ceremonial laws uh, about the temple, about sacrifice, yeah, these no longer apply because there's no more temple. Sacrifices are not being offered. But here in 1 John, there is a clear statement that disciples keep God's commandments. Otherwise you can't say you know God. Verse 4 reads, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar. We need to keep the commandments. And we need to understand what the law and what commandments are for. The commandments show what the human life, the true and full and lovely human life should look like. A life without hatred or anger. A life without deceitfulness or duplicity. A life without greed or immorality. Now naturally, when people realized then that they could not or did not want to keep the law, then the law became terrifying. You knew where you fell short. And Israelites turned to animal sacrifice to atone for when they could not keep the law. But then someone came to show what true human living is like. Jesus. Jesus lived a wonderful life. He looked out for those who were marginalized. He looked out for those who were sick. The Syro-Phoenician woman at the well with multiple husbands. The hated tax collector. The woman caught in adultery. The leper, the demon possessed. Jesus had time and kindness 
all of them. And in all of that, Jesus didn't sin. Jesus didn't sin at all. Jesus lived a life in accordance with and in fulfillment of the law and commandments. Because he was able to sum up the commandments in one word. Love. Love. Jesus said that the greatest commandment in the law is that you love God with all your heart, your soul and your mind. And he said the second greatest commandment is that you love your neighbor as yourself. It is love that is the key. No wonder that John himself says here later in 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, God is love. All the other rules and commandments, what we should or should not do, these are all, as one theologian wrote, the outflowing of the love revealed in Jesus. Which is why John says that the second thing disciples do is that disciples are perfected in God's love. Disciples are perfected in God's love. You see in verse 5, But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. Keeps his word here uh, doesn't mean keeping your promise. It means keeping the word of God, keeping God's commandments. Jesus himself said, If you love me, keep my commandments. And if we keep God's word, if we keep God's commandments, we are perfected in love and not any type of sensual or friendly or familial type of love, but God's love. God's love is selfless, self-giving, sacrificial. It's a love that doesn't live for ourselves, but for others. In this month's uh, Methodist message, there's a very good article by uh, my TTC colleague and our fellow Methodist, Roland Chia. Roland Chia is a professor of Christian doctrine at TTC. And he writes that faith and obedience are inseparable. We obey God's word, not because we are forced to, but because we are loved by God. And so we love God in return. I strongly encourage you to go and read the Methodist message. The title of the article by Roland Chia is Loving obedience. It is in obeying the commandments, in keeping God's word, in honouring God, that we become truly free and filled with joy. And this is not something totally new. John writes in verse 7, Beloved, I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. The old commandment is the law that the Israelites had from the very beginning. It's a law given lovingly by God so that his people would be a people of love. The people who loved God and loved each other. When God gave the Ten Commandments to Moses, God said that he would show steadfast love to those who love me and keep my commandments. And this is in Exodus chapter 20. And Deuteronomy chapter 5. In fact, repeatedly throughout the Old Testament, God says again and again, He will bless those who keep His commandments. So this law of love, this commandment, is an old one. But it is new in the sense that the love has now been revealed in Jesus. Verse 8, at the same time, it is a new commandment I am writing to you, 
which is true in him, in Jesus, and in you, because the darkness is shining, is passing away, and the true light is already shining. The true light is already shining. Jesus is that true light shining. And in Jesus, we have a new model of love to show how we can keep God's commandments. So the third thing then, that John said disciples do, disciples walk the same way Jesus walked. Verses 5 and 6. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Disciples walk the same way Jesus walked. I don't mean physically walk. There used to be a song many years ago, walk like an Egyptian. And all my friends started to walk with their hands all in funny shapes. No. Jesus shows us the way to live a life of loving obedience. A life without hatred, a life of love. So that's why the program, a Disciples Path, defines a disciple as a follower of Jesus whose life is centering on loving God and loving others. You are a disciple if you love God and love others. And how do you love God? You keep His word. That's what Jesus did. The calls for us to be like Jesus. Now, of course, it's not easy. But God has already given us the victory. The rest of this passage, John writes repeatedly, I'm writing to you to tell you your sins are forgiven. I'm writing to you because you know Him from the beginning. I'm writing to you because you have overcome the evil one. He says that again. You are strong. The word of God is in you. You have overcome the evil one. And that's the victory. We have overcome the evil one through Jesus. God's love is not easy or cheap because God's love demands that there be a victory over the evil one. We cannot carry on as before. We must have shown we have overcome the evil one. But God has given us that victory. In Jesus, God fought for us. God forgave us. God overcame evil and the evil one for us. That is the victory. Do you want to live that victorious life? You know, nearly 300 years ago, the brothers Charles and John Wesley, they started a small group of about 25 people. No more than 25 people at one time. And every day, in their quiet time with God, in their quest to walk like Jesus, in their desire to love God and love each other more, these people ask themselves every day 22 questions. We know this because Wesley, John Wesley recorded these questions in his diary. And these questions included questions like, Can I be trusted? Did the Bible live in me today? Am I enjoying prayer? Not, am I praying? Am I enjoying prayer? Do I pray about the money I spend? Am I jealous, impure, critical, irritable, touchy, or distrustful? Is there anyone whom I fear, dislike, disown, criticize, hold a resentment toward, or disregard? If so, what am I doing about it? Do I grumble or complain constantly? And is 
Christ real to me? You can find the full list of 22 questions online on different uh, websites. But they are also in the workbook. We will come to them in week 3. John Wesley's small group did not see these questions as stifling. But they were a means for them to grow in love to God and each other. The questions, self-examination, helped them live out their faith. So rules are not necessarily a bad thing. Now for the next six weeks in the program, we're going to look at growing in love and faith. We're going to look at God's role in growing your faith. We're going to look at the role of the church in growing your faith. And your own role in growing your faith as a disciple of Christ. I want you to remember, it is all about love. And once you know that God decides, that God loves you, and wants the best for you, and once you decide to deepen your relationship with God, once you've decided to follow Jesus, then you will see that disciples keep God's commandments. Disciples are perfected in the love of God. And disciples walk the same way Jesus walked. Come, let us pray. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for all of us. We thank you that you have called us to be your disciples, included us in your family. And so, Lord, we pray every day you help us take up our cross. Help us to follow hard after you every day. And so show others around that we are your true disciples. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.